You're listening to Shot Callers with Kyle Brandon and Joe Micucci, part of the 48 Minutes Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of Shot Callers on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. My name is Joe Micucci. With me, as always, is Kyle Brandon. And Kyle, we finally get to talk about some basketball games that matter. The NBA is back. How are we feeling so far uh, about three nights into the season? I'm feeling good about it. We've, we've had some great games, and we've had some great matchups already. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, me too, man. Um, just wanted to ask, you know, with basketball being back, I think everybody has their own ways of watching. Um, what's been your, your go-to so far? Have you been keeping like four or five screens up at one time during the 11-game uh, slate last night? Uh, have you been focusing in on one game? What's been your, uh, your strategy? To kick the year off yeah for me it's it's obviously league pass um pistons kind of get get first priority if possible but i do like to do at least two streams four can sometimes get get a bit much um but definitely like to do at least two i watch on my computer personally um i got a nice computer setup where i do the dual monitors typically i'll uh, i'll hang out in discord with yourself and some of our other friends and um yeah, I, I'm a I'm a computer league pass guy. I know some people prefer the TV. Give me give me computer, uh, a very nice chair, and uh, <laughs> some chips and salsa, maybe Coke Zero, and, and and I'm having a good time. I could pull up Twitter and kind of keep up with the storylines. I could type out notes and stuff like that. It's uh, it's a good way to keep engaged. There is no human being on this planet that loves Coke Zero more than you. I'm pretty sure you have converted so many people in our friend group into coke zero believers uh just, yeah <laughs> not sponsored would love to be sponsored just you know if you're out there if anybody hears it yeah um obviously you mentioned it uh, my big watch is kind of the same way i typically we're in a discord call at some point every night so far kind of similar to how we did the postseason last year it's been a good time been a good time um and you know Let's not waste any time. Let's kind of get into these games. Before we do that, though, I think it's only right that we have to give everybody our weekly Ben Simmons update, because how can you go, you know, 30 seconds without talking about it? Um, so here's our update for all of you. We don't fucking care. We're over it. Um, so if you came here for Ben Simmons news, uh, it's not going to be from us. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of really good players and really good teams that played over the last three days and let's focus on the players that did show up to practice, didn't get suspended and want to play basketball. So yeah, no Ben Simmons, didn't no Kyrie fake a back injury. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, speaking of Kyrie, let's talk about his team because they actually played in the first game on opening night. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee. It's ring night, baby. Giannis gets his ring um, and has a good ass night too. drops 32 on opening night. On 12 of 25 shooting with 14 rebounds, seven assists, two blocks, a, a really incredible, like an eerily similar block on Claxton that reminded me of the Aiton block in the finals. But uh, Kyle, what were your initial thoughts of that Milwaukee Brooklyn game? Uh, I loved the ceremony. It was great. It was, um, it was nice to see Giannis really comfortable and just in an overall great mood. It seemed like it was just the best night for those guys. Obviously, you know, we saw them go through the the parade and, um, you know, and get on the court when they want it and stuff like that. But that is so adrenaline-based, and, and there's so much kind of just, like, hype from winning that game. But it was it was joy, genuine joy watching that. Um, and it came through, and, and I felt, like, <laughs> I felt, like, overwhelmed with happiness watching these guys <laughs> get it. Uh, it was great. I mean, and I even consider myself, you know, a, a Nets fan, and I, I thought it was fantastic to watch. Um, and then Giannis picked up right where he left off and looked like he was in full Giannis form, and uh, and it was great to see. I thought the Bucks played an excellent game. Um, it was it was kind of uh, it was curious to see what their rotation was going to be like. Um, and I thought Pat Connaughton gave him really good minutes. He came off the bench, gave him 30 minutes. We, we still don't have Dante DiVincenzo back. Um, we know from that injury, and he didn't get an extension. So 
it'll be kind of curious on what's going on there. But uh, Grayson Allen gets the start in his place and uh, had a had a pretty decent game. Ten points plus twenty three. Yeah, and, uh, it, it seems like they like Grayson. So um, I, I just think he's he's someone that we have to kind of realize early in the season. Grayson Allen is going to be one of the guys for the Bucks. And uh, you talked about Coddington coming off the bench with some some really good minutes. I thought Jordan Wara also gave them some really good run. Uh, ended up with 15 points, three for six, three-point shooting. Um, actually got the same amount of shots as Connaughton. Um, did it all in 26 minutes. It Also, six rebounds off the bench as well. I mean, it, just really good run from, uh, from a, a new addition on the team this year. Um, but speaking of, you, you know, talking about how you fancy yourself a Nets fan. Let's go to the flip side of this because Milwaukee does win this game 127 to 104. And honestly, it was never really close. Uh, Milwaukee kind of put the beat down on the Nets. Um, now, Kevin Durant got his. I mean, Durant and Giannis had an eerily similar line in this game. Durant, 32 points uh, on 25 shots as well. Um, 11 rebounds, four assists, two blocks. Um, so he did his. Harden, you know, not the greatest night, um, but still 20 points on 16 shots, gets eight assists, one steal, eight rebounds. I mean, he was in triple-double flirting territory. Um, what what went wrong for Brooklyn in this game? Yeah, I, when I look at it, I see two things. One, in the regular season, this Nets team was the best free-throw shooting team, and it just wasn't their night from the line. Shot 13 from 23, 56%. That's not normal for them. That's not going to happen. As far as actual... Shooting from the floor goes, they shot 44, Milwaukee shot 45%. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with the shooting night. Problem is, they took 21 less shots than the Bucks. They just got owned on the offensive glass. Um, and, you know, big credit to Giannis, big credit to uh, to Middleton there. And, and like you said, Nuara, um gave him some good rebounds as well. Um, they just, I think that they're still trying to figure out what's going on with their with their big man rotation, um, it, it'll, it'll be pretty interesting to see kind of how how this all shakes out because I'm still not fully convinced on on anything that they have. I, I think it's a situation where they have just a lot of guys that are you know pretty pretty okay, pretty good in it, but but no one that's like a clear lock to own that that big man spot. I'd also say it also doesn't help that Patty Mills had 21 of their 25 bench points uh, the other night. Um, they're going to need production from somebody other than Patty on the bench. Now, Patty did make our sixth man of the year call look pretty, pretty good. Although there's another guy tonight that uh, gave him a, gave him a little run for his money. That We'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, I think the one thing that really stuck out for me, um, just kind of as an early head scratcher was the lack of cam Thomas in this game, just cause he was getting significant run in the preseason. Um, now do I think cam Thomas is going to sh- swing the game? No, but it, it was just curious. I know it's opening night. So Steve Nash is probably just seeing what he's, he's got available to him. But I, I just thought that was a little bit interesting. Um, especially since he couldn't decide on a big man to run with. And yes, Mills was giving you quality minutes, but probably wouldn't have hurt to have some additional, it's just somebody else that could provide some scoring off the bench. Because, like, again, I don't mean to keep hounding at the stat, but 25 bench points and Patty Mills had 21 of them. That's You need more production from just from more than just a guy on your bench. Yeah, I agree. Um, Patty Mills, I, I mean, man, we were, we were high on him for sixth man of the year, and we feel great about that for sure. I agree. Uh, but, you know, it, if you're big man – if you're starting big men are going to be Blake Griffin and Nick Claxton. I don't know. I I thought the other thing that was really weird um, was how much James Harden was trying to force the dump offs to Nick Claxton in the lane on those, uh, on, in that two man game. I just, yeah. Milwaukee caught on to that so quick. And I, I don't, I mean, James Harden is eons better at basketball than I will ever be um, in multiple lifetimes but i just don't know what harden was seeing what what the coaching staff was seeing that they kept wanting to go to that play um that was probably another one of my bigger head scratches um but again it it is only one game so it's it's hard to 
to base a, an entire offense off of that. Um, don't want to overreact. Just kidding. Of course, we're going to provide you with some overreaction. <laughs> uh, what would we be if we didn't? So here's my overreaction question to you, Kyle. What is your level of concern for the Nets after game one? In 2020, the Bucks lost their home opener and won the title. In 2019, the Lakers lost their home opener and won the t- their season openers. Their season openers. So in 2020, the Bucks lost their season opener, won the title. 2019, the Lakers lost their season opener and won the title. I think they're going to be fine. I, I do think they're going to be fine. I I think that it has turned from the Nets being the clear number one and the Bucks being the clear number two. I think that we are looking more at a one A one B, and uh, they're probably just. They're probably just a lot closer than we thought, um, so let's let's give the respect to the Bucks. But yeah, definitely, definitely, no time to panic for the Nets. Um, losing the first game of the season has no bearing on winning a title, no bearing at all. So they're fine. You mentioned there being a one A and a one B, but what if there was a one C, Kyle? Because Milwaukee took a little trip down to South Beach tonight and the Miami Heat opened their season with, just to put it as bluntly as possible, an absolute ass whooping of Milwaukee. 137 to 95. Um, Kyle, you've been high on the Heat all offseason. Uh, I'm sure it had to feel good, especially with your with your Bam at a biopic for Defensive Player of the Year. He holds Giannis to 15 points tonight. Um I mean, you've got to be feeling just absolutely stellar about that call right now. It, if we felt if we felt great about the Patty Mills six man yeah. prediction, we feel excellent about the Bam Adebayo defensive player of the year prediction. I've been banging the Bam Adebayo drum, so I'm taking my victory lap now. One game into the season already, I'm I'm glad to do it. <laughs> like I said, did great in the bubble against Giannis. Held him to 21 points a game. For a guy like Giannis, that's incredible, especially knowing the playoffs when Giannis actually gets more minutes. Um, his numbers should go up, and he should be north of 30. So the 21 uh, is crazy. Just 15 points tonight, and Bam did it in every single way. He had a double-double with eight minutes left in the third quarter. Bam with the double-double. We call that a Bam-Bam. He <laughs> was able to put the ball the on bam, the floor. Bam. He hit the Bam-Bam with eight minutes left in the third. Put the ball on the floor, was able to go coast to coast in traffic while being contested by guys like Giannis. He was everywhere. He looked explosive. I mean, it was the the play style. This isn't me comparing him to the to the player, okay? But the play style was Anthony Davis KG esque. Honestly, that's that's what are the play style not not the player he's not as good as them don't do that but it was it was great it was great i mean the the fact that he was able to like lower his shoulder and do this change of speed and get past guys like Giannis, it was crazy to see um i i think that i think that bam is like i said one one of the best centers in the league and it is so important in this eastern conference Knowing that you have to play Embiid, knowing that you have to play Giannis, to have a guy like Bam that can that can do it all and be that defensive anchor, that's awesome for them, man. I'm 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 excited. Yeah, and this is where my previous mention of another guy that could be given Patty Mills a serious run for Sixth Man of the Year comes in. Tyler Hero tonight. He literally, when he shot the ball, the ball looked like the Miami Heat's logo. The dude was ballistic tonight. 27 points, 10 of 18 shooting, 4 of 8 from 3, uh, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. I mean, uh, Tyler Hero came out with a vengeance tonight. He had something to prove. We were all giving him shit for that comment he made uh, last week about how he thinks he needs to be in the same conversation of Luca and Trey. And Now, I'm not saying he needs to be in that conversation yet, but... He definitely came out to back up his words to start the season. That's for damn sure. Yeah, especially in a game where Kyle Lowry left for a minute with an ankle injury, and and Kyle Lowry really didn't provide him anything. Um, Tyler Hero comes off the bench and has more points than Giannis and Middleton combined. 
let let that sink in. Uh, it uh, like you said, it was a whooping. It it was a whooping, and um, not even a close game. No, he looked he looked good. This is best case scenario heat right here, and five points from Kyle Lowry. I mean, you're not always gonna get twenty seven from Hero. I get it, but you're also not gonna get five from Lowry and eight from Robinson. So, I mean. What's what's absolutely crazy about this game, maybe not crazy to say, but it's it is wild to look. Every player on the Heat has a positive plus minus. Every player on the Bucks has a negative plus minus. I I cannot remember the last time I've looked at a box score where a game was literally this lopsided across the board. I mean, it was just a good old fashioned ass whooping. Um and I you said it. You're taking your victory lap on Bam. I I mean I'm going to let you have your victory lap on the heat right now. Cause they did. I mean, they did exactly what you have been preaching all summer long, what their game plan for success would be to stop the bucks. Um, so obviously it's just one game. Uh, if they get into a seven game playoff series, who knows, but I am going to ask as part of our little overreaction uh, to start the season is the East a three team race. Between Miami, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. Yeah, I think that I think that this Miami thing is real, and I think that uh, when you look at a guy like Bam putting up plus thirty against the Bucks, um, PJ Tucker plus thirty one just with eight points. I mean this this whole roster is, you know, it almost seems designed to beat the Bucks. I think that the Heat are real. I think that they are a contender, but I will say I don't think it's a three team race in the East. Really? And the reason is because, Joe, it's a four-team race. <laughs> a four-team race. Give me the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> as a contender. I'm, yes, sir. I'm in. I'm yes, in. Sir. We, I, I, I will say we watched this game together tonight. Um, I know you had Milwaukee and, and Miami up on another screen. I did as well, but we were pretty damn fixated on what Atlanta was doing tonight. Um, Atlanta plays Dallas. You get the Luka versus Trey matchup, uh, the age-old matchup. And honestly, I mean, Trey finishes with 19, Luka finishes with 18. But, I mean, the Hawks, they, they, were, they were in a whole other class than Dallas 113 to 87 I mean the Hawks their six main guys that is that is their rotation of John Collins DeAndre Hunter Clint Capella um, Trey Young Bogdan Bogdanovich and Cam Reddish all six of those guys had a double digit positive plus minus and all of them scored double figures tonight the balance and depth of this team we were already high on it going into the season Kyle but did we potentially underrate the depth of this Atlanta team. We did. We knew the depth was going to be great. We just didn't realize when you put it all together, it, it looks fantastic. And, you know, this game, I think this game was supposed to be billed as Trey Young versus Luka, right? And I think yeah. it was the Trey oh, Young yeah. versus Luka thing. 19 points and 18 points, respectively. Okay, that's fine. They, they basically cancel each other out. Then you just look at the depth, and it's not even close. It, no. It's just it's just not close. No one popped off the page uh, when you're watching the Mavericks play. It just they no one no one was impressive there. And when you watch the Hawks play, the the ball movement's great. I mean, Trey Young, 14 assists. He's able to get all of his teammates in excellent positions. Uh, I, this team's scary. Cam Reddish only gave him 25 games last year. Only four games in the playoffs. If he can be a real piece, that's something you should be worried about. This team, Trey Young, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Okongwu, Reddish, Herder, Jalen Johnson are all 24 years or younger. And this team has experience going all the way to Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. That is something to be worried about. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that Atlanta should be considered a real a real contender. I I genuinely do. I'll take that overreaction. I, I somewhere it, we've already given him a little bit of shit about this, but somewhere Tim Daniels it, it, just freaking out because 
he took the take of selling the Atlanta Hawks, and that take could not be off to a worse start. Uh, to I, the bu- season. I bought his I bought his share before it hit the shelves. <laughs> uh, but I one thing I think I think this game really was an expose of how the Hawks did with Trey Young, what the Mavericks have needed to be doing for Luka Doncic. They have surrounded Trey Young with so much talent around him, so many other options to make it easier for Trey. Whereas the Mavericks are still just ramming their head against the wall, being like, Luka's going to get us out of this. And it's and it blows my mind. because We, talk, we talked about this going into the season, Kyle, when we did our preview for the Mavericks. We literally said they're going to finish probably around the 6-8 to eight seed because they didn't go out and get any help for Luka. I, and it, it was great. It was just crazy seeing mm-hmm. it actually on the court tonight, like being like Atlanta, just literally flaunting, flaunting to Dallas, basically being like, "Yeah, look what we did. Look what we did with our guy. What have you done?" It's crazy to see, especially when you look at the Hawks and you think, "Who's the second best player on the Hawks?" John Collins, maybe Bogdanovich, maybe. I mean. Those I, they're not, after tonight. They're not, after tonight, you can make the argument Reddish. of Cam Reddish. <laughs> yeah, he looked awesome. He looked awesome tonight. The Hawks don't have a second All Star on their team. They are a one All Star team, and you know what? Sometimes it's uh, it's better to just have a bunch of guys that you know can go out. They don't have a ton of holes in their game, and they're just really, really good dudes. I think the Mavericks are trying too hard to get cute and get two all-stars and play the stars and scrubs, the stars and scrubs strategy. And it's just not working. It'll never work in the Western conference. You can't get away with that in the West. And really can't get away with that in the NBA anymore. There's just too many minutes from guys that are subpar from the Mavericks. And and when you look at the Hawks, none of your minutes are going to be subpar. None of them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know what this Hawks team reminds me of? Not in style by any means. By any means. But it just reminds me of those early 2010s Pacers teams when Paul George had his coming out party, but they had so much just talent and depth around it. They had George Hill, David West, I mean, Roy Hibbert before he started to fall off. Uh, Just Lance Stevenson before he was... Well, he was always just psycho on the court. But, I mean, you know, just guys that could contribute around your proper star. That That's what this team reminds me of. Um, and I think the talent is even higher. I mean, because these are guys who – you got guys like DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan, Reddish, three dudes that at any given moment their shot could get hot. I mean, yep. it's just – this team is – yeah, I, I definitely – we we've severely underrated just how deep this team is. Atlanta, definitely a team to watch. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter looked excellent, excellent against Luka. I mean, Luka is being talked about like he's one of these guys that can't be stopped. And, you know, he's supposed to to be able to, you know, beat any defense and, and be able to carry a team. And DeAndre Hunter kind of shut him down a bit. And, you know, we hammered. We we, we stayed away from the, uh, the Doncic MVP odds. We said, please do not go for it. I was not buying this Mavericks team. Uh, we, we, yeah. When we were doing our predictions, our tier list, um, you can find on our YouTube page. Um, we just we weren't high on Luca. We weren't high on the Mavericks because they just didn't have enough pieces around them. You could throw your best defender at them. You could bring over help defenders, and it doesn't matter because the other guys on this team are not going to beat you. Yeah, the whole reason why they've lost in the first round the past two seasons is because, and obviously they've played the Clippers both times, but the Clippers have just basically embraced the, all right, Luka's going to get his. Let's just make sure that another guy on the team can't beat us. Uh, that's It's as simple as that. He's just kind of stuck in that. It, it is almost like reminiscent. Preface, reminiscent, reminds me of, not saying he is, but it's it's like those early Bulls teams with Jordan, where it was just Michael Jordan, like, like a screaming firecracker, doing everything in his power to will the team to win. But because the opposing teams knew, as long as we don't let anybody else in this roster get hot, we're going to win the game. Michael Jordan can't outscore us by yeah. himself. 
Michael Jordan will tell you differently. Michael Jordan will probably tell you he could have. But <laughs> reality of the matter is you're not going to outscore a team by yourself for 82 games, let alone a seven-game series. I mean, do we think Luka's better than Dame? No. Uh, no? Uh, do, I, do I think that any player on this team, uh, besides Luka, do I think any player on the Mavs is as good as McCollum? No. No. Why would I think the Mavs have a high ceiling if I don't think that Portland has a high ceiling? Yeah. I I don't know. I don't I don't know. Yeah. It, it is just it absolutely crazy, but it, at the end of the day just an absolutely stellar debut for Atlanta. Um re- honestly really happy for that fan base for them to properly see that it, I mean, I know they've been believing but for them to see and for their team to go out and show that last season was not a fluke. This team is for real and it, watch out cuz they're coming. And, and what good-looking jerseys they wore tonight. Oh, Good-looking yes. jerseys. Good to them. Yes. No more neon. Dude, all, these, all these teams wearing their throwbacks like for opening night. Love oh. it. Oh. For you guys. Yes, yes, yes. Well, speaking of a team that came out and made a statement on their opening night to say, watch out, we're coming. I'm going to transition over to the Western Conference. So just follow me here. The second game of Tuesday night's slate, Golden State versus the Los Angeles Lakers. The Golden State Warriors come out. If you want to say stun, you can. I've been hammering Warriors stock all summer. I wasn't shocked by this. I don't know if you were, Kyle, but Golden State comes out, beats LA at Staples Center, 121 to 114. But the caveat of this game was not that they won, but how they won. You have Steph Curry going for a triple-double, but he only scores 21 points. So where is this coming from? I'll tell you where it's coming from. Jordan Poole, baby. If you are not buying Jordan Poole stocks, you better be hammering them. This man goes off for 20 points, 8 of 18 shooting, 4 for 11 from 3. Not the greatest 3-point shooting night, but 20 points from Poole. Nemanja Bialica. I'm getting better at his name, Kyle. I'm getting better at it. I think it's Bielitsa. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I said getting better. I didn't say I was there yet. Uh, <laughs> Bielitsa. Bielitsa comes off the bench. 15 points. 11 rebounds. He gets a double-double in 26 minutes. Four assists. Once, I mean, Bielitsa was out there <laughs> showing shades of David Lee on those early Warriors teams. The way he was getting the ball top of the post, just put... Uh, <laughs> driving down the lane, but kicking out to his shooter. Just shifty big men passes. It, it was a, it just an impressive showing from the Warriors. The ball movement was fantastic. Draymond, I mean, Draymond and Steph were in their bag. They combined for 16 of Golden State's 30 assists on the night. Um, it, it was just an incredible. I mean, 30 assists on 41 made shots. That is, you can't ask for much more. And on the other end, LeBron and AD ball out for the Lakers. LeBron goes for 34, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, efficient shooting night, 13 of 23, 80, 33, 11, 2 steals, 2 blocks, again, 15 of 26 in 39 minutes. But, there's always a but. The age-old issue that ran into the Lakers last season he didn't get any help. Not from Russ. He had nine points out of Mellis. So if you want to say he helped a little bit, sure. Kent Bazemore doesn't do anything. DeAndre Jordan starts, plays 13 minutes. I, why? Don't know. Nothing from Howard. Nothing from Rondo. Nothing from Avery Bradley. Nothing from Link. Look, we hear all offseason about how this is a veteran team. Not going to have to worry about chemistry issues. Guess what we get on opening night? It, it just I, I kind of what were your initial reactions to this Golden State Lakers game? Because I, I kind of feel like I just vented out a lot of frustrations while also feeling good about the Warriors being good. <laughs> yeah, all definitely all valid. Let me uh, let me touch on the Lakers struggles here. Um, Anthony Davis and LeBron, it, they did look really good. They obviously did their part. But even with how good they were, they were still minus two while on the floor. 
the Lakers, they also got beat down low. Bielitsa, you said it, our guy, Nemanja, we love him, came off the bench, had as many rebounds as AD, though. And, and just in, what, 15 minutes less? Bielitsa was a plus 20 off the bench. The Lakers just don't have it. Horrible free throw shooting from them. Horrible. They shot 9 of 19, 47%. That's, you know, they. I'm not saying they're going to make all 10 of them, but out of 19, you know, if you shoot 15, okay, well, there's an extra six points. You lost by seven. You know, they should be able to hit their free throws. Each guy has been in the league for 35 years. How many free throws have you practiced? And it, it's frustrating. Avery Bradley coming in at the end of the game, he's in your fourth quarter, like, Clutch rotation? No way. No way. Avery Bradley cannot play in the fourth quarter. If 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 you're telling me Avery Bradley's playing in the fourth quarter, I'm out. I'm out on this team. I'm I'm not doing it. Russell Westbrook won't be that bad. He won't, he's not gonna be that bad. We know who he is. He's obviously not gonna shoot well from three, oh from four the other night. But he's not going to be this. Um, he's going to have good games. And I think that the Lakers are going to be fine. But hit your free throws. Don't play Avery Bradley in clutch time minutes. And they got to figure something out with uh, with rebounding off the bench because you can't let a guy like Bielitsa just absolutely wreck you. And then I, I think from the Warriors side, uh, you said it. Jordan Poole has arrived. He's He's a real piece. And uh, he's someone that we should be paying attention to. He is going to fill that gap between Clay Thompson coming back. Um, and now he's going to fill it, and he's going to fill it well. You know, full disclosure, we we are recording this during the second half of Golden State Clippers. Um, but there were some plays I saw in that first half against the Clippers where it, it literally looked like for Jordan Poole, he has just spent the last two seasons asking Clay Thompson, what do you do in this situation off ball? What are you doing? That I mean, his off-ball movement resembles Clay Thompson, and it should. It, it, he's been playing with the guy, it, it, so good on him for like realizing the opportunity of where he can improve and really improve. I mean, Clay Thompson is one of the best off-ball movers of all time. I don't think anybody yeah. will argue that. So, so it's just it, it was really good. I, I know a couple of our guys um, just as we were doing our entry interview brought up Jordan Poole specifically. I think Sean and Ben both mentioned Jordan Poole when they were talking about the Warriors. So it, it, it's really nice seeing that pan out. But when we were talking about entry interviews, uh, I know that when it was the team to watch, yeah, for you it was the Warriors. Yes. And when we talk about stock that we're buying, I know that we had some guys that were high on the Warriors as well. So Yeah. It's a very affirming night for us as yeah, a collective. Th- none, none of this is coming out of left field. I mean, to say, to say that the Warriors are good at basketball isn't... Uh, isn't a hot take or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, we predicted them to finish in the three to five seed range. Like, we're, I think we didn't we have them like around three or four. We did, yeah, yeah. And, and it was it was all about if they can keep their head above water and basically tread without clay. But it looks like that they they have a chance to like do well. Yeah, yeah. They are currently. Let's see here. They are Just down by get, four yeah, with down by seven four. minutes left. You'll know the outcome of the game by the time you're listening to this tomorrow morning, but you know, we want to update ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I, I will ask you this. I mean, I mean, how we, cause I asked this about the nets and the Lakers were the presumptive or preemptive title favorites or conference favorites in the, in the West. What's the concern level for the Lakers? I know you said you think they'll be fine, but is there a real cause for concern for how this, you know, how this first game played out, how things looked, um, where on the meter are you with the Lakers? I would say my concern level is watch out for them becoming the 2018 Cavs. Where they uh, had, yeah, that's a great, great morning. All of these big name people. You saw them get D Wade in there. Yeah. And it was like Dwayne Wade. We kind of did the same conversation we did when we got, when uh, Russell Westbrook came in, right? How is all this going to work? Why? Oh, just because he's like, just because he's their boy, and like, I, this is kind of weird. I don't know how it's going to make sense. And it didn't. It never did make sense. And in the middle of the season, they had to try and pivot all this crazy stuff. 
and it just didn't work out. And that would be my cause for concern is it doesn't look like it's gelling right now or one game in. I totally get it. Um, I think that they could totally be fine. I would still probably have them as the, as the Western Conference favorites. But I'm just saying watch out for there to be this slight chance that this team turns into the 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers. Where, you, where every single player on there had like uh, had at one point in their career had like a 2K rating of over 90. You know what I mean? At one point in their career, the whole roster was <laughs> excellent. But and it's just a roster of guys that you know their names. You're like, oh yeah, that guy's on a team. But uh, that's I, I would just say watch out for that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's go ahead and pivot then from the Lakers to their age-old rivals, the Boston Celtics, who opened their season on Wednesday night in a double overtime thriller. This is it's this is why I love basketball. We were second night in. And we get a game of the year candidate between the Knicks and the Celtics. I mean, this game, I, what, what did this game not have? Like genuinely clutch shots, absolutely bonkers end of game scenarios where you're like, why, huh? Why? Because the Knicks uh, elite shot making elite shot missing Mark Jackson going from (laughs) Mark Jackson literally going through the full spectrum of, well, no, it's still really, really good defense. Like, these shots are not going to fall to then admitting, yeah, this is really good shot making. Game had it all. I feel like Stefan describing uh, New York's hottest new club (laughs) describing this game. (laughs) This game had it all. Shot making, (laughs) shot (laughs) filling. Spike Lee looking at the camera in distress. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This game was crazy. And included... In this game, where I say it had it all, we had some monster stat lines for Boston. Jalen Brown, a guy I think that you and I could not be further in on, Kyle. Well, I think he's one of the first guys when you and I first became basketball buds that we both were like, yeah, we co-signed this dude. Absolutely. A, a mutual. Our boy Jalen Brown goes off for 46. 46 on opening night. Nine rebounds. Six assists, three. I mean, he was all over the place, all over the place. Um, he's about the only Celtic that was all over the place in that game. Um, but then on the flip side, it, it, for the New York Knickerbockers, man, Julius Randle picks up right where he left off last season. I thought this was really cool. Julius Randle goes for thirty-five, rocking the thirty with Bernard King in the building on opening night. I thought that was really, really awesome to see. Uh, in those unis think- too. Yeah, the, those unis were so sick. Again, yeah. the throwback unis this week have been uh, two thumbs way up. But I I would say the story for the Knicks was the piece that they got from the Celtics this offseason. Evan Fournier, 32 points, a career high in his Knicks debut. 13 to 25 shooting, 6 of 13 from 3, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals. An oddly familiar line to Jalen Brown, kind of. Weird. Who would have thought? But Fournier was just, hit some absolute (laughs) big dick shots in that overtime period. I mean, Kyle, this game was absolutely wild. I remember at one point we were watching that second overtime because we watched this game together in the Discord. I remember (laughs) audibly saying, I am winded watching this game. Yeah. They were in the last, it felt like a couple heavyweights in the 11th round or something like that. They, they had just been slugging it out. They were both Deontay Wilder fighting Tyson Fury, both teams. (laughs) Oh yeah. Game was wild. I really, the biggest, I I think the biggest takeaway from this, obviously the Knicks getting the win in front of the garden. You and I talked about this just while watching it is that really it's hard to argue just how, or it's hard to argue against, Anybody who thinks that an electric Madison Square Garden isn't awesome. Yeah, it's the best form of basketball, it feels like. It, it was so fun watching, like you said, Spike Lee, uh, Tracy Morgan was out there. Um, it it just it felt huge. Internet was going crazy. It was trending. 
I think every single person turned their TVs to that game. If you weren't watching it already, you get the league pass alert or, yeah. or whatnot. Or no, it was, it was an ESPN game, right? And so you're turning got, into that game, and you're you're watching it. We got the we got a Mike Breen double bang on on opening night, bro. When Marcus Smart hit the game tying three, it it had everything, and uh, it really did. Yeah, Jalen Brown comes out, looks like that guy. Um, you know, he he looked like he could be a potential leader of the team. Fourteen I've, free I've, throw I've, attempts. I'm I'm. I'm so glad you said this because this was our overreaction question. Okay, let's hear it. Is this Jalen Brown's team? I think Jalen Brown has what it takes from a leadership perspective and from an intellect perspective and from an on-court perspective. I don't think that Tatum is at a spot where he's ready to kind of be the 1B to Jalen Brown. Uh, right after the game was done, they asked Tatum, oh, my gosh, what did you think about the game? It was great. Jalen Brown did so well, did so well. Like, let's talk about Jalen Brown. And really the first thing Tatum says was, yeah, I just wish that I could have done more to help him. And I kind of thought about it, and I was like, yeah, but this isn't about, like, hold on, this isn't about you for, like, just one second. Yeah. And I know that he's talking about wanting to help his team, and, and that's great and all, but um, I don't know if I don't know if Tatum's ready to pass that torch yet. But Jalen Brown is doing everything right. Like I said, 14 free throw attempts, his body control and how explosive he was. It was it was crazy to see. He looked like a superhero flying to the net and and just being able to to not um to not foul was was great. Uh, that, for Celtic dude, that it was not a charge on him. When yeah. he when he, like, he got around Kimba Walker. I agree. Which that was one of the most athletic plays I've ever seen. It was crazy. But I'm sorry, it's already interjected. No, it just reminded I, me yeah. of that play. <laughs> First Celtic to ever score over 40 in a season opener. Think about all the Celtics in history. First ever. He just returned from COVID protocol 24 hours before the game. He had COVID. This guy didn't have. This guy didn't have freaking good air in his lungs 24 hours before, and he came out and did that. Um. I mean, he was driving. He was he was able to, you know, go uh, go weak side and find guys even when he's in traffic. Jalen Brown's the real deal, and, and he looks great. I think I think the rest of the team looked pretty well on, on both sides. You know, yeah, I mean, it was a it was an absolute slugfest at the 48, end of the day. Yeah, forty eight twenty five shot attempts, and I think about it, and I think Kemba Walker. You want to get Kemba more involved than just eight shot attempts. But did you want Fournier to shoot less at all in that game? I don't think I did. No. Uh, every time he shot it, you felt good about it. And so uh, I think that those two will kind of even out their shot attempts a bit more. But Fournier looked really good. And let's give props to Robert Williams and Mitchell Robinson. I mean, these yeah. two young big men, and they looked great. And and both of them have the same issue. They're both very, very foul-heavy. Both of them have always had trouble with that. Those two combined for 27 points and seven blocks and just committing three fouls between the two of them. Seven blocks between those two guys. I, I thought it was a, a really good game from from those guys. A really good game from... Shout out to the Time <laughs> Lord. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, there's so many people that had good games here. Um, it was a win for everyone, a win for basketball. You know who the great. biggest winner? You know who the biggest winner of that game was? Tom Thibodeau. No, no, Tom Thibodeau got three guys to play over forty <laughs> minutes, and nobody's gonna <laughs> bat an eye. <laughs> All right, so we've got one more game that is on our slate of games that we wanted to talk about tonight. And ironically enough, I wasn't the one that wanted to talk about it. You it were the one necessary. that wanted. It I think this was one of the better games of, as well. This was a great it was, game. It was. It was. The The final game we have on our list for our week one recap is the absolute thriller in Charlotte on Wednesday night between the Pacers and Hornets. Um, really, the I could go on about this game for an entire podcast, obviously, as a Pacers fan, but basically the spark notes of this, and we'll get a little further into it, but 
Indiana goes on an absolute tear in the first half. They score 75 points. They were up 23-24 at the half. And in the third quarter, get outscored 33-13 to by Charlotte. End up losing the game by one. Um, Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball were absolutely phenomenal for Charlotte in this game. And I really, I, I really want to put an emphasis on Gordon Hayward because everyone is talking about how good LaMelo was, but it was Gordon Hayward down the stretch that was hitting the big shots for Charlotte. Um, anybody who watched that game will tell you that. I mean, he just dagger after dagger. Every time the Pacers, you thought they were going to pull away or they, you know, would come back, Hayward holds serve for Charlotte. It, it, he looked like that dude again, which... I can't be upset. It's good for Gordon Hayward with all the injury issues he's dealt with over the past couple of years. It's nice to see him have a good start. And, and LaMelo, I, you hate seeing him do it to your own team, but, like, God, that dude can ball. That dude can ball. Yeah, LaMelo, 7-9 from three. He went on a 12-0 run by himself in that in that time that Charlotte went on a 24-0 run. Um, and... We're we're gonna get into the Pacers in just one second, but on the Hornets, are you impressed by the comeback or yeah, is extremely it, is extremely is it, impressed? Or is it one of those things where you shouldn't be down by twenty three at home? Um, which I think it's twofold. It's twofold. You shouldn't be yeah. down by twenty three at home, but it's impressive that you're able to come back because it, honestly, in today's NBA, a 20, lead, a twenty point lead is the equivalent to a ten point lead in the nineties NBA at this point. Mm-hmm. No lead is safe. Anybody yeah. can get hot at any point. Um, specifically, as a Pacers fan, I'm not surprised they came back. The Pacers falling apart in the third quarter was a consistent storyline last season. But at the end of the I, I really, I was really impressed by Charlotte. I mean, I had them on my league pass rankings going into the season. I was very high on this team already. Um, and I really, I really liked what I saw. I thought Miles Bridges, I thought, you know, his stat line of 13 eight four or 13 eight rebounds four assists three steals i thought i don't think it's as indicative of how much of an impact he really had on this game down the stretch as well um it it just really was a a really nice performance especially because at the start of this game demontis sabonis looked unstoppable yeah absolutely unstoppable and on one hand, the Pacers went away from it, what they were doing with him, just getting it to him low in the post, letting him bang in the third quarter. Uh, but Charlotte made really good defensive defensive adjustments. They started kind of pushing him to where he would have to get the ball higher in the post, which is exactly what you want to do against DeMontis Sabonis. You want him to get him to put it on the floor and try to make those Jokic plays that, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, he can't make. I love DeMontis, but he he is he does not have the ball control as Jokic. He is a turnover-prone big man. It, it, and Charlotte capitalized on it. He ended up with six turnovers in this game. Yeah, he did force P.J. Washington basically out of the game. P.J. Washington was it was essentially unplayable. They they had to just go Plumlee. Um, and Plumlee was kind of soft against Sabonis. I thought Sabonis was able to kind of manhandle him and, and just have his way with him. Yeah. Like, we're literally, it was just, he was getting fouls called on uh, Plumley just by Plumley breathing on him, basically. I think at one point, Mason Plumley was getting booed by Charlotte fans in the first quarter because of how poorly he was defending Sabonis. Um, but, uh, you know, if there is one massive bright spot that came out of this game, one, I honestly, like, outside of the third quarter collapse, just from a Pacers fan's perspective, it did feel good to watch a team that has a coach that has a clear direction, what he wants the team to do. And at the end of the day, I'm not pleased with the final play they drew up with Sabonis taking a fadeaway 11 footer. But Rick Carlos came out and said immediately in the postgame press conference, that's on me. I didn't draw up a good enough play. I'm the one who called the play. It didn't work. We didn't even get that last season with Bjorkard, man. It was, so it's, I want to add it's disappointing in this one game, and the Pacers have a really tough start. But you know what? On the other hand, there's a lot of lots of like, especially, especially from the rookie, rookie sensation. I'm saying that after one game, Chris Duarte, all aboard the Duarte train, baby. I I was already in on this guy, and then. 
He comes out, sets a Pacers franchise record, 27 points, a 9 of 52, 6 of 9 three-pointers. Nice. Five rebounds. It just gave the Pacers fantastic minutes. He hit... I don't remember if you were in the call, in the Discord call, because myself and our buddy Steve were watching the game, and I know you came in a little bit later. I think you're in there when he hit that step back over Kelly Oubre in the corner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, man, it was nice. And that kid's got stones. Malcolm Brogdon, again, hit just clutch bucket after clutch bucket. It's what he does for this team. I I love this team so much. It was just a bummer to see them lose. (laughs) I love Brogdon. I think Brogdon can fit on any team and would be just a good starter on literally every team in the NBA. I'm, I'm all in on Brogdon. Uh, but yeah, Duarte was fun to watch. I think out of all the rookies, man, that's, uh, he's, he's looking great. Definitely a lot better than the, uh, what was it? Minus 37, a, uh, particular number two pick had the other night. Uh, yeah. Ah! <laughs> but yeah, thank you for indulging in my little Pacers, uh, Pacers rant. There. But Kyle, what were your other takeaways from this game? I, I mean, just as a neutral watching, I, obviously it was it was a very exciting game. Yeah, um, Hayward and and Lamelo Ball were scary. I thought they were like legitimately scary. Lamelo Ball kind of took e- even that next step up um, that we were looking for him to take. We we I don't know. I think that when a lot of people think about Lamelo Ball, they think about him as a three point shooter. That's genuinely not who he was as a prospect. He had a really ugly shot, and I think his shot's still pretty ugly. Um, but he was a three-point shooter by selfish bad habit, not by, like, skilled trade. So, he was a three-point shooter by the standard of, I'm playing in the NBL, and I'm better than every single person around me, so I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, his bread and butter was his, his passing. That's He was a playmaker, a facilitator. So for him to come out, and still get his seven assists to go seven from nine for three. That is scary. That is scary. And I, I think that Gordon Hayward being healthy looks like what we would expect from a healthy Gordon Hayward. I think we kind of just forgot about how good Gordon Hayward is because of his lack of availability. But there's a reason why, you know, a few years back he was the free agent to get, you know, and I, I know that he's aged and he's had injury trouble since then. And I'm, you know, he's fallen off a little bit since then. But he he was that dude for a minute, and uh, I don't I don't think we're as far away from that as as some people think. The uh, overreaction, and I don't even know if it, I would consider this an overreaction. This is more or less just a statement that you said, um, or that you kind of had jotted down. Lamella Ball, you view him as this year's Trey Young. I you, think you're, so. You're I buying think that. I, I think that he has potential to to take that step into that stratosphere. Um, I think that he's that we're gonna look at him like uh, like a potential all star kind of guy, and yeah, I I think that's kind of the category he's in now. I think that he has enough pieces around him is the difference. Um, Kelly Oubre, I thought Kelly Oubre was doing a little too much. If he can just kind of find his sweet spot, figure out where to be, he was aggressive defensively i thought that he was going up and he was he was meeting brogdon um you know not too far past half court but if they can just kind of get all their guys together uh lamella ball can definitely can definitely piece them together and if he's finding that outside shot then yeah i think he's a you know he's a potential all-star to look at i i think that when we did our tier list i think we I think I had the Hornets playing the Pacers in the play-in game. That's what we ended up at. Yeah, yeah. So um, I would like to see this matchup again. I thought that this was an incredible game, and I'd like to see it again. (laughs) Fair enough. I don't know if I would just yet, but (laughs) (laughs) the wound is still fresh. (laughs) Tough opening uh, night for both our teams. Pacers lose. Pistons looked good against the Bulls, though. Looked very competitive yeah. against the yeah. Bulls team. But um, first that is, defense. yeah, yeah. That is, uh, that about wraps up our uh, first week uh, recap of games. But Kyle, I believe uh, you want to in- 
introduce the listeners to uh, a new segment catered to you this season. So by all means, the floor is yours. I'm ready. I'm ready to bring this take out. I've been workshopping it. I've been Shall floating, I, it, ar- I've been floating it, it around. Is it time it, to release the call? It's been in the group text. It's been <laughs> talked about in the Discord a bit. I'm ready. I said it before the season started <laughs> to only my closest family and friends, and I'm ready to invite you guys in. The Timberwolves are going to have more wins this year than the Portland Trailblazers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wolves Watch Week 1 with Kyle Brandon. Oh! oh! Give me the Timberwolves. I love it. I love it. They looked awesome. They were explosive. They played the worst team in the league. Let's start there, I guess. That's a good that's a really good place to start with this conversation. They played the absolute worst team in the league. And they won by 18, but it it, it was not even close. The 18, I mean, they won by 18 because they had the third string players in the second half of the fourth quarter. Defense was incredible. 13 blocks against this Houston team. Josh Akogi had excellent on-ball pressure. Josh Akogi was in their face. And if anyone got past Josh Akogi, Cat was awesome at falling back. He was defending the paint excellent. And Cat... Uh, it came out that Cat, before the game, he watches two gorillas fight to the death. I, I literally, that came out before the game, and I was like, this is it. This is I, I know that this is the right take. I know that this so, team. Some people talk about baked beans being their favorite food before the game. <laughs> Others watch two gorillas fight to the death. I knew it. And then, I, I, don't, I don't remember what the quote was, and then uh, D'Angelo Russell was talking about like the mentality and he's like yeah we want to kill them we like they need to be killed and i was like oh like we're coming with that energy of we want to kill them and gorillas are fighting to death and i said jimmy butler would be so proud of this team a cat was like it was crazy how how much force he had when driving to the lane Defensively, he was always in position, which is exactly what we expected out of him. Coming from UK, this is like what we thought he was going to be when he first came into the league. He physically dominated the other team. Anthony Edwards, number one pick last year. We love him. He was announced second uh, to last right before Carl Anthony Town. Crowd goes crazy. Carl Anthony uh, um, Edwards comes out, scores 21 in the first half. And at one point, he went yes, to the yes, uh, yes, he went uh, to the Rockets bench and told their coaching staff to call a timeout because he I was, was so uh, hot. I was so I was so ready. I was so ready to bring that up. I'm so glad. What there. gorillas so to death and telling the other team's coaches to call timeouts? What? What else are we looking for in a team? <laughs> this is it. We have arrived. Everyone, get on board. I'm so into. And D'Angelo Russell, just a. a just like a good game from D'Angelo Russell, like nothing like crazy. He scored 15 in the second half. He hit four threes in a row, including coming out of timeouts when they were trying to cool him down. The Rockets, the Rockets literally were like, all right, well, we're going to do it. We're going to call a timeout. D'Angelo Russell still comes out of the timeouts and hits threes. This Wolves team is fun. fun like they have to have a playoff window. There has to be a playoff window with this team. I think that they're getting to the point where they can contest. I think that uh, I've been saying I think that the West is a little weaker this year. I think that they could be buyers this year, potentially. So basically what people should get from uh, our week one recap is that the Timberwolves are going to be playing the Lakers in the play-in game <laughs> come April. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are the fan duel odds on that? Give me that. No, I agree, no. man. Uh, I <laughs> listen that that snowballed way further than I thought it was going to go when you pitched the segment to me. <laughs> I'm so excited about the Wolves, and I've been excited, but like I can't be a fan of the Pistons and the Wolves at the same time. Like it was too much, you know. I need some mental stability, and like my mental health is important. So I said I can't. I'm not going all in on the Wolves and the Pistons both. 
Um, but if the Wolves are going to come out and look like this, I know it was against the Rockets. I know it was against the Rockets. I'd like to, I'd like to ask this question. The fact that they did this to Jalen Green, how much did that enhance the experience for you? It's beautiful. It's perfect. <laughs> if you listen, anyone that wants to say Jalen Green played well, I, I ask you, has anyone ever dropped a more impressive minus thirty-seven stat line? I think I think that might have been the best minus thirty-seven I've ever seen. Jalen Green. Yep. Yep. There's a reason he was uh he was not picked and Cade was, so <laughs> I'm in. Ladies and I'm gentlemen, in. this is this has been the first first edition of Wolves Watch with Kyle Brandon. I'm in. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Well, we just got uh, one more segment to get to before we wrapped up for the week. But just real quick, uh, anything off the top of your dome that you can think of that we did not get to that you want to give a quick shout out to? Um. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna talk about the Pistons for two seconds. Um, and you got you can't stop me. Um, Killian Hayes looked bad, man. Looked bad. I think we're at a point now. He's he's played less than thirty professional NBA games, so it's tough to like overreact to this. But in those thirty games, doesn't have a bunch of great tape. Doesn't necessarily initiate the offense. Kind of just brings it up, gets the first pass, and it often doesn't lead to anything. I think that the Pistons might be looking at more of a Kobe White situation with Killian Hayes where he's, you know, he can come off the bench and he could be fine, but he's probably not the starting guard of the future. Isaiah Stewart looked incredible defensively. Um, they keep comparing him to Ben Wallace, which is like the highest honor you could ever have in Detroit. <laughs> Obviously, he's not there. Ben Wallace is, in my opinion, a top three defensive player of all time in the NBA. So Isaiah Stewart's obviously not there, but he's looking excellent. And Sadiq Bey is is, uh, is showing that he worked on putting the ball on the floor and is able to uh, to kind of, yeah, kind of drive and, and hit pull-up shots and stuff like that. And So that's good to see. Zach Levine was very scary to go against. Very scary to go against. And I just want to, listen, I, I let you in on my Wolves take Right, I let you in on something that I've been workshopping. I got another one brewing, and I'm just this don't, is this. not yet, not yet. All right. hold it, All right. hold it, hold it, hold okay. it. Okay. I'm a re, I'm a, I'm a rainy in on that one. All right, all right. Redacted. We're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be here for a while if you get going all on right. that one. Okay, okay. Let me that's just why say they got, that's why that that's why they got to keep tuning in. Zach Levine, he's scary. He's scary. So that's that's all I'm that's all I'm gonna say. Bulls Bulls are gonna be fine, but Zach Levine. S- scary good. You're gonna get that Zach Levine takeout. We we're just waiting for the proper Bulls are back week. Yeah, that's what we need. We need it. We yep. need the proper the Bulls are back week. Um, yep. anything else you got? No, I think I'm ready for my shot caller of the week. Cool, cool. Before we get to shot caller, I do have two shout outs I want to give. Um, because we didn't get into these games. Uh, shout out John Morant putting in work against Cleveland mm. on Wednesday night, 37 points, six rebounds, six assists, and a badass moment where he turned to the crowd and said, Y'all got 12, and then pointed to himself. Shit was hard body as hell. Um, wow. and shout out to the Sacramento Kings getting the win on the road on opening night against Portland after all the just craziness from Marvin Bagley's agent calling them out for not starting him. Thought that was a is a is a great win. It's nice to um, I was listening to No Dunks earlier today, and I liked the point that um, they had made about how it kind of looked like in that game that the continuity of this Kings roster kind of looks like it may actually be coming together with Fox and Rashawn Holmes and Buddy. It just guys that have actually been around that locker room for a while now. So shout out Kings, shout out John Morant. But now it's time before we let you go. Our weekly segment this season. It's our shot caller of the week. This is any single entity. It can be NBA related. It can be a player. It can be a team. It can be anything. Just somebody who was awesome this week. Kyle, who is your shot caller of the week? Someone that embodied the shot caller spirit, in my opinion. Um, lot of lot of really good candidates. Uh, Jalen Green. 
obviously comes to mind. He's the NBA's leading scorer after his one game. Um, Jalen Brown, I mean. Um, but <laughs> Jalen Green getting the shot caller from right. Kyle. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but what it's all about is about winning titles. And I got to say, I'm giving my shot caller of the week to Giannis because he got to see the banner come down. He got to see the banner come down. He got to hug Adam Silver. He got to come out. They all chant MVP. He puts on the big fancy ring. He gets to have his roses. Everything is all great. And then he comes out against the Nets, who everyone thinks is going to win the title. And he beats them. And he's the best player in the game against the best team. And the banner comes down. And he's a champ. And the MVP chance. And I got the ring. And it's opening night, and it's the first game, and all eyes are on him, and the season just started. I, don't, I mean, what else? What else could you ask for? I yeah. mean, that <laughs> that I, I got I got to give it to him. I think that there's going to be a lot of, a lot, a lot of weeks where he's going to deserve it, but I'm probably going to go somewhere else for it. So I'm gonna get my Giannis out of the way now. He's a champ. He got to celebrate. Good for him. That's what it's about. My shot caller of the week is Giannis. I like it. I like it. Uh, What about you? Yeah, for my shot caller of the week, um, I originally was going to go with John Morant. I made a last-minute adjustment before we started recording. That's why he ended up in my shout-out section. Um, My shot caller of the week is actually going to be the Indiana Pacers, my Pacers. Um, Yes, they lost on opening night, but they did something really, really cool last Friday. the entire team did a team outing at the Putnamville Correctional Facility. This is something, it looks like it was spearheaded by Malcolm Brogdon, but the whole Pacers organization was was behind it. They went and kind of met up, did some just talks, and visited with prisoners there, had some uh, intramural pickup games. Miles Turner coached one team, Malcolm Brogdon coached the other. Uh, if you get a chance... Uh, there are pictures up on Malcolm Brogdon's Twitter, or I'm sorry, Instagram. It, it, really cool stuff. I, I just, it, it's really cool seeing uh, your favorite team doing something really awesome in the community. So I, I did want to give them a shout out for that. Kind of get my get my Pacers uh, roses in in now because I probably could do it every week for the stuff that Malcolm Brogdon does around the community in Indianapolis. So just just really cool to see. Yeah, and th- and there's a lot of negative stuff that you see in the news uh, for NBA. You see a lot of Ben Simmons. You see a lot of Kyrie, Andrew Wiggins, stuff with anti-vaccination. I'm not reporting to camp. We don't care about this teammate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but kudos to the Pacers and kudos to you for, for shining a light on that. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff that goes on in the NBA, and that's a great example of it. And, um, I mean, damn, if that... That doesn't make you a shot caller. I don't know what does. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, that's uh, that's all we got this week, Kyle. We did it. We're we're one week into the NBA season. We'll uh, we'll maybe give you some more proper analysis next week once we get some further sample sizes on teams. But uh, until then, he's Kyle Brandon. I'm Joe Macucci. This has been Shot Callers. Make sure to follow the Forty Eight Minutes Network on Twitter at Forty Eight Minutes NTWRK. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Good Luck Kyle. You can find me on Twitter at Makuchi. I'm not going to spell it. I don't have the time, but we're done. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Shot Callers. Make sure to subscribe to the 48 Minutes Network wherever you're listening to your podcast. And leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter over at 48 Minutes Network. I'm going to stop and give you all the love.